Okay, guys, welcome back to Ag with Emma. We are on the good old road trip across Merca, or half of it, anyway. But we're sitting in South Dakota with some college boys. It sounds weird already. Anyway, I'm <laughs> not cropping this out. Um, I met Sean on TikTok, and that's who we're sitting down with, and a couple of his friends, Austin and Colton. And Sean goes to a diesel tech school lake area, mm -hmm. right, in yeah. Watertown, South Dakota. And we're going to hear a little bit about his experiences in agriculture and why he goes to school for what he does. And then if his friends want to chime in, then you're more than welcome to. So, Sean, can you introduce yourself and what you're all about? Uh, my name's Sean, and I do a lot of farming, do a lot of diesel work. I do mostly cattle and crop. We run about, oh, I don't know, probably 900 head of cows, cow-calf operation. Got about 8,000 acres worth of cropland. Do a little bit of everything. From planting to dirt work, actually working up to soil. I should say soil on here. Soil work. Probably I should. I probably shouldn't be so Midwestern that I say dirt. That's probably that's pretty bad on this podcast. Uh, do a lot of work with the cows, veterinary work. You know, pretty much do it all. Keep it cheap. Do a lot of different fun stuff around the farm. A lot of sketchy stuff happens out there. A lot of sketchy stuff. As I'm sure happens a lot of places. Yes. I. I'm sure if OSHA was on a farm, it'd be a big mess. On any farm, it'd be a big mess everywhere. Expensive. There's a lot of... Honestly, I wish I wish I wasn't up in college right now. could show you exactly what happens on the farm, but... Then we could have a visual YouTube representation yeah. of what could, happens. Could have done a YouTube video, but it just didn't work out. School got in the way. Oh, well. You know, scheduling, it happens. Yeah. So you've been doing this since you were young, right? Yeah, I've been doing it since I was in diapers, pretty much. I actually, when I was younger, I told my mom I didn't want to go to daycare anymore because I hate naps. They'd always make me do nap time, and I was like, I don't want to take a nap. So I just went to the farm with grandpa and fed cows, took care of cows. It's kind of how I got my start in it, and I loved it ever since. Been hooked. And so why did you come to school to do diesel tech? What's the value for that, going well, back to the farm? I came here to do diesel tech so I could uh, work on my own tractors. Instead of taking them in, having other people do it, I figured I'd keep the cost down, do it my own, help out on the farm. And I kind of like tinkering with stuff anyway, taking it apart, fixing it, getting a real good look at it, understanding it a lot better on how it runs. But ever since I came to school, a lot of people, like, I'll try and tell them something and they just don't understand it. They're like, I don't understand how an engine runs. And I'll be like, let me break it down for you. And I'll go from, like, bottom of the engine to the very top and tell them exactly how it runs. So why are you in school then? I, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> everybody tells me I need to get a diploma. And that's why I'm here. Cheers to that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Follow society. Follow Discuss society. We've already, yeah, we've discussed this quite a bit. And we're not going to bag on college anymore because, no. you know, it's a podcast and people get tired of hearing about it. Yeah, college. <laughs> Some people, college dropouts follow their dreams. Some people go to college and do nothing with it. And want to drop out and don't follow their yeah, dreams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. So with South Dakota farming, I'm from Idaho and it's a lot different out there than it is out here. Can you talk about... Because you guys don't irrigate. Not you... true. We do. We do some irrigation. Oh, okay. Actually, a lot of people irrigate their soybeans, corn, and alfalfa. I know a lot of people who actually do a lot of alfalfa irrigating, around us anyway. Um, try and do, like, I think what they usually do is they, they have bull sales, so they raise bulls. They do straight Angus, and they raise bulls, and then they sell their alfalfa at the same time and they have i want to say they have close to seven thousand acres of irrigated alfalfa oh, okay and they send it in to sdsu here in south dakota it's the main college and they get it protein tested and do all the other tests to decide when they should cut it when they should bale it and all that good stuff 
But yeah, a lot of people actually do do irrigation. We personally don't just because we rely on natural resources instead of actually watering our crops. And I really want to irrigate, but it's too much upkeep for us. So I, I do see a lot of irrigation actually like considering that we have the James River Valley here, a lot of people just plumb into that and run it onto their crops, which is actually a good resource to do it. That way they're not digging wells all the time, but we don't have as many potatoes around here. Sadly, it's kind of sucky. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, we don't have any good French fries. We have McDonald's fries. That's about as far as we got oh. for French fries, <laughs> potatoes, five guys. Yeah. Five guys, burgers and fries. That's and pretty Culver's. good. Food. Yeah. Culver's. <laughs> Yeah, those are all Argentina, though. Back home from where I'm from, there's a fine line of where the soil goes from just, like, regular soil to straight sand, and it's irrigation for miles. Yeah. Like, from where we're at, and you go east, like, five miles, you start seeing your ears pop up because it's all sand and gravel underneath the topsoil. Where are you from, Colton? Hurley, South Dakota. Okay. How far away from there is here? Two... (laughs) Well, two hours away, I drive about two hours, 45 minutes. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a lot. That's why a lot of people irrigate along the James River Valley is because it's so sandy. Yeah. I mean, like, where we are, most of our land is just straight black soil. I mean, good soil for it. But uh, a lot of the people, like, a lot of the colonies around here, they're right along the James River. And so it's all just pretty much sand, and they have to irrigate because the sand soaks it in so fast. Mm-hmm. So they have to irrigate, but with us... We just rely on the moisture from the winter. So, like, this this year we didn't get a lot of snow, not as much as I'd like to see anyway, so we're pretty dry. And I know that's how it is in parts of Minnesota, isn't it, Austin? Oh, uh, yeah. We've been pretty dry all last year, all last spring. We didn't get much snow last year. That didn't help with the reservoirs and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's pretty much the same where I'm from uh, by Adrian, Minnesota. Uh, not much irrigation down there. We see that. Up in northwest Iowa, uh, even in southeast South Dakota here, there's quite a bit of it. But where I'm from, you don't see much of it at all. But yeah, yeah it's, we have good heavy soil down in the bottoms, but once you get up into the up into the hills, it's all sand and rocks more than anything. All comes down to the soil. Yeah, that's right. really yeah. depends on if. Oh my goodness, <laughs> soil. S O I L. It's respect. That's, that's that's like a I don't know, that's such a South Dakota thing, I think. Like so many people that I talk to like, yeah, well the dirt's that's a rich dirt and it's like Oh, that like, makes oh, me want to throw up. Oh, we we gotta go we gotta go rip the dirt up and all that. It's like or rip ground and everything. Like nobody around here really calls it soil. And I and I did that I made that mistake when I was in high school because we uh when I was a senior in high school it was our first year with FFA. Mm-hmm. And so our egg teacher came in and I started I was calling it dirt left and right and she got so upset and was like it's soil this and that like because we used to do land judging and so like she's like oh we're gonna go test the soil and I'm like yeah I don't know I looked at some dirt today <laughs> and like it just bothered her it was so funny I did it on purpose most of the time but I I, I kind of started calling it soil now because she kind of beat that in my head like hey it's soil and I'm like that's a fair point you know living dirt is dead organisms and soil is living organisms that's how that goes apparently is what she taught me well, yeah. College professor says it's disrespectful. Well, know? maybe. But I, I heard dirt is like, so like soil is like the ground intact. And dirt, like if you put it in a pile, then it becomes dirt because it's no longer a nat- or it's a natural resource, but the, the living organisms in it are It's dead. not structured. And, right. You know, all the so, good stuff. That's why I kind of call it dirt because like you got dirt roads or gravel roads. So it's like. Dirty just, hands, not soiled hands. Right. Dirty, dirty pants, dirty not, pants soiled not soiled pants. Dirty pants, not soiled pants, yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> Big difference there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always soil, but it's not always dirt. Right. So, like, what would you call, like, would sand be soil still, though? Like, yeah. people who irrigate the sand, is it soil or is it sand? I'd say it's still soil because it's not, it's more than, well, it's true. It's more than soil. I mean, sand. It's more than soil. Man, I soiled (laughs) my pasture. (laughs) My fields are so soiled right now. I got it all soiled up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I just always called it dirt. That's how I was raised, I guess, but everybody's raised differently. You're just raised dirty. It's fine. I'm a a dirty child. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, bouncing back to agriculture, farm. That was agriculture. Never mind. I'm that just was, losing my brain because I'm so all. tired from deriving um, the crops that you guys grow out here. Let's talk about those. So um, around here on the east side of the state, it's mostly corn, corn, soybeans, wheat, alfalfa, sorghum. Sorghum. Yeah, there's. You some guys sorghum. grow sorghum out here. Yeah, we do have some sorghum, sugarcane, oats. Yeah, usually, I I don't really see a lot of oats anymore. We usually just chop them for silage. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, I guess, do oats, but I don't typically see a lot of oats where I'm from. It's just typically alfalfa, corn, soybeans. Um, but wheat. when you start heading out west, like if you get real far west, like the Wyoming border and all that, out in the Black Hills, there's like no crop out there. It's just straight trees, rocks. I mean, very unfarmable land. Ranching. Ranching, more. a lot of ranching out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as... I would say, I don't know, Wall, South Dakota is probably the farthest that I think I've ever seen crops grown, and typically it's sunflowers out there. They have a lot of good ground for sunflowers. And fun fact for you, you cannot defend your sunflower crop with fireworks in South Dakota. It is illegal to defend your sunflowers. Yeah, I'm serious. It is a state law. Illegal to defend your sunflowers with fireworks. Yep, you can't use fireworks to defend your sunflower, sunflower crop in South Dakota. That is so random. Defend it from what? Just people? Oh, the crows. Birds. Oh, the birds. okay. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah, shoot yeah. Roman candles at birds, apparently, in a sunflower field. I don't really know. I wonder why. I, dry dry, dry. sunflowers, <laughs> firework. Ah, it's fine, you know. It's firework because it's wet, obviously. Yeah. It's not going to you know, do anything to the dry sunflowers. Right. It's just going to moisturize it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spicy moisturizer. The word, the word fire has nothing to do with it, you know. But yeah, like... <laughs> A lot of, like, uh, actually our neighbor, so our neighbor who lives just north of us a mile and a half, he does corn and soybeans around us, and then he has sunflowers out west by pier, and he raises those sunflowers, and he owns a sunflower company, Wild Dutchman, and so it's actually really well known in the Midwest now. It started out, I want to say, three or four years ago, but a lot of people chew those sunflower seeds now. Wow. He like went from nothing and then grew a bunch of sunflowers, had nothing to do with them in the bin, and they were on a family vacation. That has a whole story on the bag. Uh, they were on a family vacation, and they wanted all the flavor with half of the salt. So the, they made a sunflower seed that doesn't have as much salt but all the flavor. Those and they have spicy cheeseburger. Soda. They have ranch. They have uh, flaming bacon. It's, they have dill they pickle. Have chicken bacon ranch. They have chicken bacon ranch now too, yeah. Interesting. They have a, a lot of different flavors of sunflower seeds now, and it's really cool because he's like our neighbor, but he does a lot of work and everything to get everything set up for it. They do all their own labeling. They do all their own packaging. They do everything. They take everything to their plant, and they have a plant here on South Dakota. Um, they actually bought out the old mall and made it into a sunflower factory or whatever, warehouse. That would be a cool warehouse. Yeah. 
but yeah, like if you stop by his place and you're like, hey, can I get some sunflower seeds? He goes, yeah, here, try these ones. It's a new flavor. And then he gives you like a bunch of them. He hands you a whole box of sunflower seeds and that's what you get for the summer. It's really cool. And then you're set. Yeah. To go cut hay with your sunflower yeah, seeds. I, I, <laughs> don't even get me started on cutting hay. That <laughs> Green tea free. Yeah, I don't. Cutting hay is just a struggle for me. I just, that's hot. That's miserable. You get dusty. You get itchy. You get scratchy. It's just cutting hay. No AC in that tractor, huh? Yeah, it's it, that's miserable. It's a forty-four forty with no AC and barely cracked windows. And how many, how much hay do you guys cut? Roughly a year, we probably do. Oh, I don't. I want to say probably close to thirty-five hundred acres worth of hay just to feed all of our cows. We we make all of our own feed for our cows: silage, haylage, uh, corn, ground hay, alfalfa, everything like that. We do all of it on our own. I was gonna say the year crop inputs just get thrown right back into your cattle instead of selling them right yeah. correct yeah so like sometimes if we do enough crop like if we get enough corn stock bales we'll sell off some corn stock bales the only thing that we don't ever bale up is bean stubble but we do all of our own straw all of our own corn stocks uh hay we have a lot of prairie hay out here blue like blue roan grass and all that out here is mainly what we have around so we just turn that back around and feed all of our cows with it we do all of our alfalfa um, all of our own corn, everything like that. We combine it, chop it, or grind it up and everything. And so basically we just turn around, put all of our feed back into our cows. Everything that we grow goes back into our cows. It's a good time. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of cheap stuff we do just to get around expenses. That are getting worse, right? Yeah, that are getting a lot worse now. Markets and weather and all that. So with you guys, you take everything that you grow and put it back into your operation, right? Yeah. So we take all of our alfalfa and we cut it. Actually, we use a we use a moco, and it's kind of like a crimper, and it cuts. It has like discs on it with knives, and it cuts it once off of the stem, and then it runs it through a couple of rollers, and it crimps it, and it helps like it breaks it. It's supposed to break it in three different spots, and then it helps dry it out faster and uh, maintain the leaves for the protein. And we take that and we bale that all up, put that in, and we grind it all up, grind all of our hay up, and then we do all of our own silage. We do all of our own ground corn, corn stalks, uh, straw. The only thing we don't do is bean stubble bales. That's the only thing that we don't do. I've heard there's a lot of protein in it, but I've also like seen that most people just use it for bedding and feedlots. So most of the stuff that we do do is all of our own food we grow all of our own food for our cows and everything like that which kind of hurts because we use we have only we only have eight thousand acres of farmable land that we rent and uh, that we own and rent and so we don't really make a lot of money off of our crops it's mostly just our cattle operation because we turn so much of it back to feed all of our cows right so how does that work like not that you have to share specifics with money wise but like you don't we always hear all the time about how cattle farmers have like one paycheck a year kind of when they sell their cows yeah right yeah so when you're not selling crops you guys so, only have and you're putting those inputs those costs and return back into the crops yeah so basically how that works with cattle farmers or ranchers or whatever is that you calve uh once so you calve once a year obviously and then the only paycheck that you get from cows is from your calves when you sell them. So like we start calving in January until just about mid-April or 
beginning of May. And then we, after directly after, a month after they're born, we work them, give them their shots, everything like that. Then we send them out to pasture, and then, you know, they're just out there free grazing for the rest of the summer until just about uh, November. And that's when we wean our calves. And they're, they're probably around three to 400 pounds when we wean them. And then we bring them back to our farm, into our lots, and we feed them then to try and get their weight up. And we try and sell about six to 900 pound calves, but we only sell them in January. So basically we, <clears throat> it's a whole year turnaround from, usually our calves are about a year old, 11 months to a year old by the time we sell them. So that uh, basically that's where your one paycheck comes from when you only do cows. So then when we take so much of our farming, like all of our crop and everything, and we turn it back into feed, we actually lose about 50% of it to feed instead of taking it straight to the elevator and getting a cash price for that. So yeah, we lose a lot of money on cows. I would say cows, you can make money on cows if you do it right, but when you don't have the amount of crops to match the amount of cows when you're making your own feed, uh, that's when it really gets difficult sometimes. Um, it just makes it really difficult to turn 50% around of your crops and turn it around into feed to make money on your cows when the market is so up and down on cows all the time. I mean, you don't know, you could have, I mean, you could calve out 850 cows and you can turn around and only sell 700 or 650 of them because you have disease, you have, I mean, you got hardware disease, you have Yanni's, which is the same thing they say, but there's something else in Yanni's that they, I don't know, like you have mad cow disease too. I mean, there's just so much that can go wrong. Like you have coyotes too that come along, like when your calves are first born and coyotes come along and they'll just eat your calves up and they don't you know they don't have any question about it they're just that's what they do that's how the food chain works so really you're you're really taking a big gamble that's what i consider when you raise cows is gambling you're taking a big gamble on when you have so many cows that you're going to sell those like you you know you try and get a lot of cows so that you can sell a lot of calves and get a bigger paycheck but you can't always guarantee that you're going to have the same amount of calves that you do as cows because there's always a lot of there's always a lot of death like some are stillborn summer they get cold because we calve in january so it's midwinter so a lot of them freeze you know they get cold they get sick pneumonia is a big thing with us you know you fight pink eye all summer long um that's why I, pink eye is really only when it's dry though that's the biggest thing that we found this summer was really bad we had a lot of pink eye and it took a lot of time to get it back and out of your herd but yeah it's just really hard to when you do both uh, crop and cattle both it's really hard to make or to get ahead and make a profit in a year especially when you're buying new equipment all the time to keep up with modern technology and everything you know you're trying to buy $120,000 used planners and then try and get the GPS systems for all that to keep up with the technology so that you can do inch to inch or row to row accuracy every year so you're accurate on your crops but most of the time you're only planting the crops to feed your cows I mean, a lot of people around here now, on specifically near us, either do just cows and raise their own feed and they don't take anything to the elevator, or they do just crops. We're kind of like, I want to say, I wouldn't say we're the last ones, but we're getting down there to be the last people who actually do both cattle and crops. And a lot of that is just because of the price of the market nowadays. I mean, it's a lot of people... Uh, my cousin, for example, he's actually selling out of his cows. He's selling all of his cows because it's costing him more money in the long run 
than it is anything. I mean, he's got to make the feed and he's got to, you know, calve them out, vet bills. I mean, you got to take care of them. You got to have a place for them. You got to have bedding for them. You got to have food for them. Cows cost a lot of money and sometimes they just don't turn around like you want to. Yeah. And I was going to ask when you were halfway through that, um, how grain sells, you lock in a price. You can lock in a price. Right. Yeah. Like down the road. So you can sell your, whatever you plant in the spring or whatever's in your storage at a set price in December. So like wheat right now is locking in for like however much a bushel in December of 2022. Right. And that's what people are contracting their wheat to sell at. <clears throat> cattle doesn't do that. Right. So you well, never. You can, uh, I've heard of it. You can actually contract cows. You okay. can contract a price. Not a lot of people do it. Um, it's more or less grain anymore, but I'll, I know a lot of people do. I'm not really sure. I, okay, I can't really give you the full details on it because I don't fully understand it myself. No. But I do know that some people will contract um, the price of cows, but a lot of it's all based off of the lockers now, like the packing plants. Mm. Is mostly where people will contract their cows. Like, well, we'll we will finish them out to say 900 pounds. And then you guys will give us this price per pound. And then like, um, not a lot of, I mean, obviously not, no sale barns will do it, you know, cause that's just a live market. Like it's just an auction at that point. So whatever the highest bid is, is who gets them, you know? Yeah. But when you are doing it with a packing plant, I do believe that you can contract it. You don't really see it a lot more or less with crops. You would see it because you know, you see so you have old crop. And I know the other day that corn was up to, just about eight dollars a bushel just i mean just about i, I want to say like 760 something like that seven dollars sixty or something which is high which is really high yeah. for corn around here and that was old crop though mm -hmm. but i mean the way my grandpa my grandpa's really good about uh explaining it to me on the whole crop side of it is even though that they like the market itself was at say 760 a bushel you have to go off of the board of trade so like the board is typically, I, I think he told me it was 20 to 30 cents less of what the market price is. And that's just so that they can make money, you know, but either way, I mean, if it's still, if it's $7 bushel corn, that's still a really good price for corn uh, in this area. I mean, cause you know, typically you get, oh, it'd be nice to see 200 bushel corn. I mean, yeah, that would, that would be, be really nice, nice to Maybe see. Maybe with some irrigation a yeah. little bit around here, but. I, I mean, I know people who have sandy land and they do get 200 bushel corn. I would say typically ours is about 150 to 160 on a good year. If that's, I mean, that's with rain, but, but yeah, you can contract that. Uh, you can contract lock in a price, but you, I think you have to guarantee so many bushels. You have to contract a price and the amount of bushels, and then you have to fill that contract. Yeah. And how if a lot you can't fill the it. contract, then you got to like pay for right. the bushels to make up for it. Right. right? You yeah. have to pay in. So yeah, a lot of people take the risks. I mean, farming is just a big gamble. I it mean, really that's, is. that's really all farming is. The way that I see it anyway, is just a big gamble. I mean, really you just take a shot and if it works, it works, you know, like we gamble with cattle a lot. We will buy bred heifers cheap. And then we'll turn around and calve them and then sell them as cow-calf pairs in the fall. And they're supposed to be higher in the fall, but a lot of them, I don't know, we took a chance on about 150 of them two years ago, and that didn't work out, and that was the last time we did that. Now we just buy bred heifers to calve them out and sell the calves, keep the heifers, and then get rid of our older cows. So, 
Yeah, you really never know because things can just shift. Oh like, yeah, so quick. You have like yeah. well, that, that's that whole Ukraine deal. I mean, markets mm-hmm. skyrocketed and cattle dropped. I mean, when corn's high, cattle's low. When cattle's high, corn's low. It's that's exactly how it works. Yeah. And that's that's why I don't. I mean, I'd rather. To me, I'd rather either just raise cattle or just raise crops, mm-hmm. being because you fight the whole battle between corn being low and cattle being high. So you sell your cows. And then you turn back around, come harvest time, well, corn's low, but cattle are high, and you're trying to, you know, you have bred cows now that you're trying to wait until calving season. Well, then you get after everybody has already sold their crops. You, you know, you sell your crops because you don't want to pay the storage on them, and you don't want to keep them in a bin. And you just want to get rid of them. You know, you want to sell them, get a paycheck, because, you, you know, you messed up with your cows. You didn't get as good a paycheck as you wanted. So then you turn around, and you're like, well, what do I do now, you know? Uh, cows are up but corn's down come january corn's up cows are down but you have no corn to sell anymore because you sold it during harvest so a lot of people will contract that way they'll get a contract filled and then uh I w- we do it sometimes i wouldn't say we do it a lot um but typically you pay like i don't know like 30 cents a day for or 30 cents a bushel a day for storage or something like that i think is the highest i think we've ever paid but it is really difficult sometimes just to make make or break. Honestly, it's difficult. So you guys face a lot of challenges. And everyone in the agriculture industry faces all these challenges of, you know, market storage, what to do, when to do it, gambling. What are some of these lessons that dealing with these challenges throughout your life has taught you? Maybe not just, you're not directly involved most of the time because you're not the boss boss. But like just seeing it from the outside and still being involved within the industry what has that taught you well okay so i mean obviously you learn a lesson every day i mean every day is a brand new lesson you know you you wake up and like you never know what's going to happen on the farm i mean every day is just something new and that's what i enjoy about farming you know like compared to like an office job i mean you go to an office job and it's like the same thing day in and day out same email same right, fax you number know, exactly <laughs> like oh you know the printer's going off again you know whatever <laughs> But, uh, you know, the difference between that and farming is that it is something new every day. I mean, like, you know, one day you could, you could be, you could hay for two weeks in a row and every day it's different. I mean, it's never the same, you know, you're not running the same route. I mean, obviously you do it yearly, annually. It's, I mean, it's the same annually, prospectively, you know, like you, there's the same cycle, right? You do the same cycle every year, but it's always a different thing in that cycle. I mean, you never... You never cut hay the same twice. You never bale the same hay twice. I mean, you know, it's different. It's new grass. You know, it could be taller. It could be shorter. It could ton up better. You just never know. I mean, that's what, that's my favorite thing about farming is that you're taking a risk all the time. You're always, you're always unsure about your choice, but you try to make the best one and just hope it works out. And that's how it is with everything, really. I mean, you just take a shot in the dark and hope you hit, to be honest. With cows, though, I mean, you just, you just... I don't know. We are, we sold our calves the one time. Uh, actually, this January we were selling calves, and we no sailed. I want to say about twenty seven of them because, like I said, you get cold. You, they freeze. Their ears will fall off, and then people buy them. And I don't. I've never really understood why people don't buy cows with short ears, <clears throat> because they eat the same food that any other calf would eat. You know, I mean, they just think that well, they had they had uh, trauma in their life so they're not gonna you know they're not gonna uh, gain weight as fast well that's not true because we no sailed them in january and now they're 900 pounders that are ready for finishing already 
you know, we just added a little bit more of the filler to their diet, you know, a little bit more corn, you know, a little way, uh, add weight to them. And I mean, they're the same, but yeah, that's what I enjoy about it is that it's, it's always something different. It's never the same exact thing every day. You could wake up and say, well, today I'm going to get the planter ready. I'm going to, uh, clean out the tractor. I'm going to, you know, service everything, get it ready to go for planting season. And you can, you can get like going through your planter and there'll be stuff on there that you didn't even know is broken. And I mean, that's the good thing about going through it though, is that you get everything fixed, you get everything ready to go. And that way you can be at your full operation. You know, you can be full potential operating how you need to. So yeah, every day you wake up, you're like, well, today I didn't see myself doing this and now here I am doing it. And that's what I love. It's just exciting. You never know what's coming next. Yeah. I've got to agree with you on that. Like 110% because I think, you know, I think about why I love agriculture so much and it's just it's that fact like you never know what you're gonna do you can sit there and say all day long I'm gonna clean the tractor cab out but then you could find some big electrical wiring mess or like a pile of mouse crap in there that's cemented in. yeah that's <laughs> that's my favorite thing hours. that's my favorite thing about being a diesel mechanic too though is well I'm not really a full diesel mechanic but I'm going to school for it I mean mm-hmm. I graduate this May but uh that's like my favorite part is that you now I have the ability to go through it and if I see a problem, I can fix it to my best ability on my own or try to attempt to fix it on my own. And that's what I enjoy <clears throat> is that like if you see, oh, well, this wiring harness is busted. Well, now I know like how to look at, at a wiring schematic, they call it. And you can it'll tell you exactly where the wires go, what the wires do, what color they are, what number they are. And you can run each wire and you can fix the problem right there instead of taking it in to the dealership for say and have <clears throat> and pay $140 an hour you know in labor that's just in labor that's not even in parts mm-hmm. i mean that's that's an insane rate to me when i can come to school get my knowledge have the knowledge for the rest of my life and help other farmers or other people uh cut down on the cost and i can do the work for them which i enjoy doing i love working on it you know that's the same diesel mechanics and farming are like in the same boat because it's something new every day. I mean, you can have a tractor come in one day and it's got a leaky seal. And then, you know, you get that fixed, send it out the door. The next tractor comes in, oh, transmission's busted up. You got to replace it. You know, you got to fix the transmission, overhaul it. Okay, send that one out the door. Like, it's just, it's something new all the time. You know, I mean, you're obviously going to have some things that are the same but they're always different in just a little bit of a way. It's a unique problem because every farming operation is different too. Right. It's the basics of our industry is everything is different per scenario, per right. situation. Yeah, and that's what I love so much about like the whole farm talk deal on TikTok. You know, you go and you talk to farmers from other states and you you learn so much of how they're doing it differently uh, compared to how we're doing it. You know, here in South Dakota, we raise just corn you know, corn, beans, wheat, alfalfa, sunflowers in the center, like in the center of the state, you know, you don't see a lot of them over here on the eastern side. But then you go down like to where Tony's at, you know, and uh, he's he grows corn and beans specifically, you know, it, it's but in a much totally different is. way, Cause right? You guys grow a, corn and beans here, but he grows corn and beans, right? I mean, different. he, you know, he has to add different nitrogen, you know, mm-hmm. he has to add different fertilizers and all that good stuff where than we do and it's it's all just unique mm-hmm. you know everybody has their own way of doing it and it's really cool to get out and see what exactly they're doing and how they're doing it and then maybe you can pick up on what they're doing and add it to your operation just to see if it works better for you 
you know, if it doesn't, then go back to how you were doing it, you know, and, and that's just, that's just the beauty of, of the land that we live on is that it's different everywhere. I mean, everywhere is different. You know, one field could make 200 bushel corn and the field right next to it be making 150 bushels. Exactly. And it's just, just, just the quality of the soil and that mm-hmm. much, I mean, really they're side by side in a mile stretch, you know, if you do a quarter, you know, and it's like, well, why did they have that? You know, what did they plant compared to what did I plant? Uh, when did they spray compared to when did I spray? You know, you, you get all those different, different deals in there. And I mean, even, even your own crops, you know, you could have, you could have two fields separate. I mean, like right next to each other, you know, and you could, you could do everything the exact same and one will always yield better than the other. I mean, it does, it's just the way that the ground is and what time you got them planted. And there's just so many things that you base it off of and so much that can change and it's just crazy because it's always something new every day. And that's what I love. I love the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. It's always a challenge and I'm just ready to take it on. Yeah. And you're young. You're only 20. I am right? only 20. So he is going to school. You're only 20 years old. And we hear about this a lot is the generational challenges and differences that we're facing in agriculture because there's a need to improve our industry and become more efficient every single day. So as a younger generation that we are, there we are more open-minded to it, right? So can you talk a little bit about your experiences with changes that you've had to adapt to or changes that you've had a hard time with having others on your operation adapting to? Yeah, so like my, my grandfather, he is, uh, he'll, he'll be turning 72 this year, and he has never run auto steer. I mean, he has, I really shouldn't say never, um, like, maybe, like maybe six hours in his entire life of auto okay. steer. And our farm is adapting now to using the newer technology so that we can, you know, we're, we're more accurate. That's the whole point of, that's the whole point of precision egg is accuracy, you know? And, uh, so, and that's kind of what we learn in diesel technology too, cause I'm in the egg program of diesel technology. So you learn about GPS monitor systems and how to set them up. You learn about all those other things. Well, he, we just bought a new planner this year and it doesn't have the, uh, markers on it, you know, like the, the full on, yeah, the so old can, fashioned markers right. that help them drive in straight lines, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't have them on there, and he is just freaking out. I mean, he doesn't know what to do with himself. There's no, there's nothing to look at. He's, he's not gonna be able to steer nothing. He's just gonna have to sit there and turn around. And you know, he's kind of one of those guys that's like, he's the older generation where he doesn't like change. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, well, we've been doing it this long, so why would we change it? You know. And he, and that's what he enjoys. I mean, he's, he's going to be 72 years old and he still refs high school basketball games. He runs three miles a day. He, I mean, he's always at the farm early in the morning. He stays up all night checking our cows when we're calving. I mean, he does a lot and he's, he's in really good shape, really good. I mean, healthy guy, but he just does not like the whole aspect of we're going to switch over to technology and allow the tractor to drive itself. You know, he just has a real hard time struggling with it because he doesn't want to learn the technology. It's not that he doesn't want to change so much, but that he doesn't want to learn the technology. You know, he figures, well, I've been this long without it. Why do I need it now? So we we were going to sell his 12-row because he's got a little 12-row John Deere planter that we've been using for years. And I mean, that thing is so run down. I mean, you just... you pretty much rebuild the planter every year it's so yeah. run down <laughs> and it's got the row markers on it so he's you know and we're gonna let him plant with that and then maybe next year try and talk him into actually starting off with the auto steer now but yeah i mean it's just it's just been a struggle i mean 
you know, a lot of the older generation, they'll tell you this is how it's going to be. Well, the younger generation is learning about the newer things that are coming out. You know, that's what we're here to do is to learn and take over. You know, and that's what I see it with a lot of people in school is that they're they're going for precision egg and they learn about what the newest, you know, the newest models are out. And that's no different with anybody. They always learn about what's the newest. And technology nowadays is so crazy because you just, you know, somebody just puts it up on the Internet and it's bam, it's right there. You just you have all access to it and it's great. So a lot of older people, they don't like to use the old, you know, they don't know Internet, you know, they've been without it. What do they need it for? Well, then you try and tell them, they're like, well, I don't want to change. I've been doing it for this long. Why would I change now, you know? And it's just like, you got to change and adapt. I mean, the world is changing every day, and you got to try and convince them and kind of, like, lead them in a way, you know, be their shepherd, per se, and kind of, like, drag them with you and show them what is the best way to plant. And actually, once you show them, like, what the best way to plant is, it's it's one of the best things that you could possibly do because then they see it and they see the benefits to it and then they start to adapt and more and more and more. But if you get one of like those older generation, they're kind of just like strict on the way they're going to do it. They're just, they're hard headed and just set on, we're going to do it this way. That's how we've always done it. We're not going to change. It's been working, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're also the generation to go, well, if it's not working, then why do we keep doing it? But I mean, it works for them, but we can also improve it. Yeah. And they don't they don't see that we can improve it because we're young. Like, what do we know? We haven't lived that long. But at the same time, we're constantly learning about the newest thing coming out. Mm-hmm. Like new GMOs. I mean, like all that stuff. I mean, there's only so many GMOs, but there's always new ways to handle them. There's always, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. always, there's new ways to produce them. New ways, you know, like corn every year, there's a new way to plant corn or a new a new variety of corn, I mm-hmm. should say, you know, a new variety of these things when they're like, well, we've always planted this variety, you know, that this population, and that's how we're going to do it. But, you know, they just but don't. But there's room for improvement. There's that's always, there's always room. When, yeah. yeah. It makes me room. wonder if we're ever going to be like that, you know, at that age. But it's hard to say. I would yeah. say that we would definitely be someday we're going to be like, well, why would we change? We're doing it this way because the internet in 2022 was like this and Instagram right. looked like this app. We yeah. recorded podcasts on cell phones. Huh? <laughs> I, I just, I actually just saw a TikTok the other day and I was like, man, I, f- I mean, I'm only 20, but I was like, man, I feel old. Yeah. And it was like them going through the apps of what they used to look like when they first were established as an app. Like That's- Instagram was like a brown and tan camera exactly. or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like a, it's like, it's pink, like pink and, and purple white and white and, and all that, and yeah, all right. That stuff. And like Facebook was like a was like a old logo, like you'd see on like an iPhone four. Yeah. You know, like do you ever remember the iPhone fours? Do you ever have one of those? I didn't have one. Oh man, I held one the other day, and I was like, <laughs> it was like literally half the size, the size of my of hand. Your thumb. <laughs> I was like, man, this is small. How did we ever handle this? And that's like a big thing now. It's like people are always trying to advance. And I and actually, it happens so quick. Right. Too. And I yeah. wonder, I mean, I sometimes wonder, are we ever going to run out of advancements? Mm-hmm. Like, are we some, t- like someday, I mean, I probably will never see it in my generation. Neither will you, but someday are they just going to run out of things to come up with? I don't think so. I mean, really, you know, like, cause like now we have cars that drive by themselves. Yeah. You and know, tractors that drive by themselves. And, well, Freaking and tractors, tractors that, that drive, drive by, by themselves. themselves. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it's like, it's like when is it going to stop or is it ever going to stop? Mm-hmm. I just, I never know. Like you just, 
you always see something new every day. There's yeah. always something new, and that's just crazy to me. It's always something new, always something different. But it's always, if you choose it right, it's always something that will benefit you. Yes. And that's the best part is always benefiting off of stuff that will help. Because then you can be the best, but nobody's ever really perfect. It's, it's the but, good, better, best thing. You know, the, the yeah. shindig, the choices right. and consequences of those choices. And, yeah, just... It blows my brain to think about, especially thinking about our industry and how much that can change because it's definitely moving towards that. We're running out of labor. Mm-hmm. People don't want to do the work, mm-hmm. you know, and so we have to move towards this. What do they call it? Electronic. It is too late at night to think of this word. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Um, mechanic. Mechanized. Yeah. Mechanized. <laughs> a mechanized system. And so we see tractors that drive themselves and we've been seeing a lot of these newer, maybe a little bit more intimidating things because we're like, oh no, what right. does that do for us? Like we're this generation that's going to be affected by this the most because we're going to turn into farm managers rather than like tractor drivers. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, like now, I mean, they have, I mean, they have everything, you know, like, I mean, they have like literally the planter will tell you exactly what i mean on our baler this is a better this is a better uh example but on our baler we have there's two little poly pieces inside of our baler and it actually will tell you the moisture of the hay yeah and it's like it's so crazy you know it's like wow like what was what is the point why have we ever been like why haven't we been doing this for years you know like why didn't you come up with this sooner you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but you can read like you know say you want to go test your field well, instead of walking out there and feeling how wet it is. Yeah, you with could, your fingers. You, you, you have could, these little probes. Right, you could like literally just stick a probe in there and it's like, oh, well, there's too much moisture. Let's let it dry for another day or let's come out here and, and what we do is we rake it and mm-hmm. we flip it over and dry the bottom side. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, what would be the point of, of doing it the old fashioned way when we have all this technology now? Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy from up here, he's going for agriculture and he works for a company back home. And they have a pickup to which they drilled a hole in the floor and they ran a a hydraulic system in there. And you know, like the probe for like the soil, so you can soil sample, Mm -hmm. they have it on a hydraulic deal, but it runs through the floor. No way. So so yeah, you drive out in the field. You're just like, yeah, they have an iPad up on the, like not really on the dash, but you know, like up in the window or whatever. And they drive to where the GPS tells them to because they mark out certain spots yeah, in the field. Yeah, exactly. And then you drive out there and you put the you you know you put the pickup in park, or actually it has to be in neutral if you want the hydraulics to work. Yeah. So you pop it in neutral and then you reach over and you grab a lever and you push it down and the probe will go down in the ground like through the floor of the pickup, and oh then I'll, I'll I'll show you the video. But yeah, so you go down through the floor of the pickup. And then you push it the other way and it sucks it back up and you scrape the dirt out of the probe into a bucket. The soil. Sorry, Sean. the soil. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Someday I will get it. And then you go to another spot in the field and you do the same thing. Like he doesn't even get out of the, he doesn't get out. Okay. And some people, okay. I think going back to that generational thing, they might see that as lazy because they're not, you know, putting in right. the manual. They're just driving in a pickup and that looks lazy. But, but, but it's, it's so much, efficient. Yeah, it's so it efficient. It saves so much time. Right. And I don't, and I don't know if if really a lot of people consider efficiency as lazy anymore yeah you know like well why would we like why, why would, would i we... why would i get out of the tractor and open up my <laughs> own gates when i feed cows when when somebody can just drive around in a on a four-wheeler or whatever and open the gate for me so i can just pull right through instead of stopping the tractor getting out going over opening up the gate coming back in getting in the tractor putting it back in gear driving out feeding the cows coming back through the gate getting out 
shutting the gate, get back in the tractor, go feed. Like, you know, that would just take forever. And like, <laughs> that makes you, it seem so long. It, 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 and it is when somebody doesn't open the gates for me, you know, like I was like the one day I looked at the guy that works for us and I said, just go open the gates. I said, if the cows aren't standing next to it, just go open the gates, open every single one of them. And I will feed them and they won't get out. And the cows don't. It's really funny. If the like the cows have a certain time of day that they get fed, and it's not always to the exact minute or whatever, but it's always you know within the hour. Mm-hmm. And so the cows will always be standing over by the feed bunk when they're ready to eat. So then you open up all the gates. They're not next to the gates or nothing. You open up the gates, and then you just and that's what I really should do now is when I get to the farm in the morning, just open up all the gates and then go feed. But I can't risk getting all of the calves getting together and then having to sort them all out because I've done that before. We put them next to each other in a barbed wire fence between them, and the calves will slip under it all the time. And then you go to move them out to pasture, and you got to run, and it's a process. You got to run through every single cow tag number, and then go find the calf tag number, and make sure that you have the same pair. <laughs> so that they don't get mixed and up. And so that they don't yeah. get mixed up, yeah. But yeah, going back to the whole efficiency thing, I think a lot of the older generations see it as that we're lazy and not mm-hmm. efficient, you know? But like, why would you get out and go open the gate and then yeah. get back in when somebody could just have the gate open for you? You could drive through, feed the cows, and then drive back through, and they can close the gate, and they can they can go faster than a tractor if they're on mm-hmm. a four-wheeler. They can go way faster than you, so why don't they just buzz around you, open up the next gate? Yeah. You know, but then there's feed lots around here that they don't have gates. They just feed in a feed bunk, and that's efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not lazy as to getting out and going and setting up feed bunks and all that. But it's efficient and it's faster so that you can get it done faster and you get more done in a day. Exactly. The more efficient you are, the more you get done in a day. Like my grandpa, he'll go out and he'll... That man sometimes stresses me out. <laughs> I tell you what. But he'll go out and he will he will wind up electric fence by hand. We have tractors for that, right? Well, we necessarily don't. But we... I Maybe we don't right now. Maybe that one broke, but we used to have a hydraulic motor yeah. that ran a reel mm-hmm. that would just suck it up. You know, you just turn it on and it would just like roll up all the electric fence for you. And then you'd be like, perfect, golden. You know, I didn't have to crank and ruin your body. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, like a lot of older, the, the older generation, they ruin their bodies because they were doing a lot of hard work, you know? And especially when they were kids, too, because we have to look at this as more than just them. It's the way they were raised yep. and in the time they were raised in. So it's nothing bad not like at all because no, they were raised bad. to bust their butt. Right. And so I applaud them for that. But oh, yeah, it absolutely. is like the more we save time and your body, because no one treats their body good anymore. No, we all know this. No, nobody does. I mean, <laughs> Everyone treats themselves like crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get I get guys telling me daily, like, older guys are like, yeah, you're going to wish when you got older you didn't do that. I'm like, well, I'm young and I feel good now. I guess I'll now. find out when I'm yeah, older. Yeah, right? And that's, and that's a big thing with the older generation is that they, and I do applaud them. I mean, they did a really good mm-hmm. job. You know, they kept it going and they always worked very hard and I mean, sometimes I do feel lazy on the yeah. things that I do, but it's also the quickest way to do it so I can get more done in my day. Yeah. Well, like, but like, yeah, I mean, my grandpa, he's, he's had uh, shoulder surgery. Um, I think he's had his knee scoped a couple of times. Correct. Um, I mean, just, yeah. he's sore all the time. You know, he's mm-hmm. got what he call, uh, they call it plantar fasciitis in your feet. I mean, that's from him walking around 
you know, he walked to school every day when he was a kid, you know, uphill both ways, uphill of course. In the snow and yeah. wind, you know, right, exactly. 40 miles an hour exactly. from all four <laughs> directions. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that's just the way they, you know, they were raised. And, but they did a really good job on, you know, getting to the advancement that they are now. I mean, we, if you think about it, starting in 2001, you know, the world has advanced insanely. Yeah, exponentially, I mean, comparatively I mean, to the last oh, century of man. how they progressed yeah you know like it's just it's just crazy to me because you know I, and i feel like it was once two thousand or once 2000 came around i mean it just got insane after that like i mean everything just you know then you, you had yeah. computers you had phones you you didn't have the old bag phones you probably don't remember the bag phones do you uh-uh. there was okay i don't know how i remember this but yeah you're younger than me <laughs> well i know but so these bag phones i just remember my parents really talking about them the most i suppose but these bag phones, they had a long antenna, okay? And you, like, you get service with them anywhere. It didn't matter where you were at. You had service with one of these bag phones. <laughs> and and they called it a bag phone because you literally had to carry it you in a bag. You in a bag. You yeah. had to carry it. You didn't just throw it in your pocket. You had to carry it in a bag. Well, phones nowadays, if you're driving down the road, you know, and you're, like, your GPS cuts out, if you're trying to get somewhere, you're like, well, I don't have any service here. Like, what the heck? Well... You know, they did back then, but you had to carry the darn thing in a oh, big old bag. bag phone with your you good old antenna. And they're like, oh, why is my back hurt? I don't know. How long or, how long did you, or were you on the phone with your bag phone? You know, did you talk <laughs> on the phone for three hours, you know? And it's just like, you just, there's so much advancement every year. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, like John Deere actually just came out with a brand new uh, monitor or a GPS satellite deal. Just came out with a brand new one, mm-hmm. and so that that's a new advancement. And you can actually, with those, you can. It's like an RTK. It's yep. real time kinematics. Uh, you can get inch within an inch of your past last year. So wherever you planted your crops, or sh- even if you strip tilled, right? So you can actually put your crop on the same. If you're using the same data, you can actually get in the exact row within an inch with your planter of where you strip tilled from the year before which so is you, insane yeah i mean it's it is crazy the only problem with the rtk or real-time kinematics from john deere is that you have to have a base station and it has to be in the exact same location as it was last year yes otherwise you'll be off you know two three four inches mm-hmm. so a lot of people will pour a cement pad in the approach of their fields and then they will put that base station right on top of it and mark it all out. And then they will have the exact same spot with, so you can have uh, inch-to-inch accuracy, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. Yeah. Because, like, in... You can't get that with the up and down. In 2016, yeah. you didn't have that. Exactly. I mean, that's that's only that six only years six, ago. What? That was six years ago. That, 2016 oh was gosh. only six years ago, and it we didn't have that. It was already six years ago. You know, that I, six years ago, I got my driver's license think about that this is so weird right i mean just the advancement of everything is just so crazy to me yeah there's just so much advancement all the time and that's why i love what i do in the egg industry because every day is a new thing yeah it's never the same and it's always exciting Amen. You don't. You don't just like. Oh, I gotta go to the. I gotta do the same route on my way to work. Oh, I gotta go send another I, email to the same. Person. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> can you get those files to my desk by the end of the day? Thank you. No, it's like, hey, can you get that field planted sometime today? Yeah, I'll get it done. You, you know, get like, like an acre of it done, and then your planter breaks down, then you don't get a plant. <laughs> right. Oh, I had. We had that problem last year. We, when I was planting, I uh, was doing some soybeans with our air seeder, 
and I was planting down south from our farm is probably like 15 miles away and it started raining down there as I was planting and I got up early and I tried to like beat the rain Mm -hmm. well it got me about halfway through the field so I folded up I folded up the old planter and I headed north to where the rain wasn't and I started planting that field well I got back down to the other field to finish planting it and I actually had I had uh hadn't shut off my marker like the on the gps to mark where i had planted and so i left that on on accident and so i got down there and when i when we went to harvest there was this big old space in the field and i was like man i feel really (laughs) dumb right now like there's just this big open lane of just nothing but weeds i was like it's not by the road yeah i mean you can see it from the road it was so bad i was like man i'm so i'm so ashamed of myself like I was like, man, I really wish I was paying attention or remembered that at least. I should have wrote it down. Yeah. I'm sure I told myself, like, oh, yeah, I got to remember that I marked this one. I'll remember. Yeah. No, you won't. And then Don't I went and planted a whole nother field, and I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, shoot, I forgot about it now. Smooth move. No, it, was, it was great. My my uncle gave me so much crap about that. He's like, oh, good one. You got <laughs> runway out here for the spray plane to land and fill up again. I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was like, oh, man, I, yeah, I still catch grief for that today. It'll happen on the bigger jobs. It really will happen (laughs) on the bigger jobs. Well, I guess as we kind of wrap this up, um, what was I going to ask you? It was a good question. What are you looking forward to the most as you, you know, you're graduating from school soon. What's kind of just in a quick little couple minutes, what's your plan ish? Is it okay to say that I don't really have a confirmed that's plan? That's fine. Yeah. That's yeah. completely okay. Like, yeah, I don't where really do you hope you want to go? Like somewhere successful. Yeah. Well, what is that I, for you? You know, successful, <laughs> success means something different to everybody, I exactly. suppose. But somewhere successful for me is somewhere where I'm happiest. Yeah. You know, like, cause they, you know, I've always heard like, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I love the egg industry and I'm hoping I can go back to the farm, which I probably will, but I just need to find a way to get into my farm. You know, I want to establish not just working for them, but I want to establish a footprint into the farm. Like I want to, you know, have a part in it. Yeah. Become more of a piece of it than just having, you know, having a paycheck. Yeah. Just having a paycheck, you know, pretty much all it is now. But like, I want to, you know, get some more, I want to get some cows of my own and I want to get some land of my own, you know, and start really getting into the farm and being a part of the farm and not just an employee on the farm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where I see myself, but I also want to work on diesel mechanics as well. Like in my free time, um, go out and help farmers like during planting season, if their tractor breaks down or their planter breaks down or something like that, go out there and help them get going again, you know, and I want to do that, but I also want to farm at the same time. Yeah. So I kind of got to, you know, get my checks and balances in there and see what I can do. But Hopefully when I'm done with college, I can just stay in the ag industry and do my diesel work and then just be happy forever. Yeah. That's my, that's my end goal. I think you're pretty well on your way and you're doing a good job at it. So for being a young agriculturalist, you can hear, you you can hopefully hear the passion (laughs) that he has for this industry. And I hope you guys have learned something from Sean. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me. We're literally just sitting in my car in his driveway. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> recording else to a do. podcast on my phone. Yeah. So, 
It's better than nothing. I was yeah. going to sit at home and do nothing tonight anyway. We did something productive. See? We did. You never know productive. what you're going to do. Exactly. It's... I didn't I didn't expect to wake up this morning <laughs> and be like, hey, we're going to do a podcast in Emma's car in my driveway. Like, I, I just, didn't realize that's what I was doing. I harassed this him into it. Yeah. I need I'm, contact. I'm more than willing to do it. A trip never wasted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will tag Sean's. Um, well, I'll leave his stuff in the description. You guys can find him on social media if you want to go follow him. And... Yeah, again, just thank you, and we'll catch you later. Catch you on the next episode, guys.